Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Everybody doing all right? Yeah, good to see everybody. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Brett Cheek, and I'm one of the regular teachers here, and glad to be able to do that, and glad you came. So in the last few weeks, during the season of Advent, is the, is the churchy word, um, as we're kind of leading up to Christmas, we wanted to end the year um, by helping people grow in their prayer life, in their confidence in prayer, because we felt like, and I've noticed as a pastor over the years, that prayer is maybe the area that people um, feel the most insecure or want the most help or need the most help in growth. And, And you could say that we were made for prayer, which if, if prayer is communicating with God, and God made us to be in relationship with him, then you, you could maybe frame it as the very reason you were made is to pray. Now, if that conjures up images of like, oh my gosh, that sounds kind of boring, stale, rote, um, like, ugh, that's not the reason why you were made. You were made for something vibrant and alive something that has a dynamic to it and some movement, and and we want to invite you into that. And uh, so we identified a book by one of our favorite authors um, on prayer, um, Pete Gregg, which is a a good book called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Great title. Um, And we just wanted to use kind of his structure to help us a little bit. And no, I didn't bring a trampoline with me this week. Um, I figured one week was enough to worry everyone. Um, And and in this simple structure he put together, it's an acronym just to make it easy to remember, um, P-R-A-Y. The first week we talked about pausing. Um, maybe it would be helpful um, for you if you're wondering, how do I grow in prayer? Maybe set a, set a timer or take a few breaths. And whether you're talking about five minutes in your apartment before your roommate comes home, or whether you've carved out um, 20 minutes in the morning uh, for prayer and scripture, or if you're making dinner and everyone's running wild around you and you need a little bit of Jesus in the middle of that, um, you can pause and breathe and recenter our, our scattered senses, refocus our scattered senses on God's presence with us. And then after that, if you're wondering, well, then what? How do, how do I do it? Maybe a great place to start is where we are with our rejoice. That we would take some time to reconnect with joy, to rejoy ourselves and looking at our lives and finding where is the gift? Where is the good thing here? Where is God coming to me in this? Now, your life may feel like it's upside down and on fire. Your life may feel kind of boring and normal. Um, Things may be going awesome. 
Wherever you're at, there is some joy there to name and to connect. And a great way to start praying is just to say thank you. God, thank you. Here are some things going on and have gone on that I know I can say thank you to you for. And in that, prayer starts to flow. A great way to start prayer is to say thank you. And then A, to ask Uh, We talked about last week that to pray, the word that we translate prayer literally means to to ask, um, to to bring someone that we think cares about us some requests and say, God, this is what's on my mind. Now, we talked about how God isn't like some cosmic vending machine that if you, you know, put the right prayers into and talk to them the right way, you punch in the right numbers and, and you get the bag of prayer Doritos you were hoping for or whatever, that that God isn't technology that we work. Um, he's someone that loves us and wants to talk to us. And so like when we pray in the name of Jesus, that's not like some um, magical stamp we put on something. That's saying, God, I want to be a part of the will and the character of Jesus. And so if it sounds like Jesus, let's ask. And and we took some time and had a bit of a healing service that broke out at the end of it. And I got to say, it was so sweet to see people lining up. I couldn't find enough prayer assistants. I started grabbing prayer assistants out of the crowd. I was like, and you're a prayer assistant, and you're a prayer assistant. And I don't even know if you know Jesus, but you're praying for people now. And, and, um, and it was so, and, and listen, I, I got to pray for people with health issues and cancer diagnoses and relationship stuff. And, and it was so sweet over this last week to get little emails. The biopsy came back negative. Um, someone saying, my, my son, uh, it has to have surgery tomorrow morning, by the way, at 5.30 a.m., but the cancer is contained to his kid- kidney, and they think everything's going to be fine. And it was so sweet hearing stories through the week coming back, and, and that we ask, we take God what we have, and, and we say, this is where I'm at, and I need you to help. Big things, little things. And then this week, we want to wrap things up with why? To yield. To, to yield. Now, can I say that I think in our culture and in our world, there may not be a word or a concept that we are more allergic to than yielding. You know the roundabout? (laughs) You know what's brilliant about roundabouts? The reason why they are so much better than four-way stops is because in roundabouts, there's only one rule. There's only one rule. If, if, here it is, in case, you're, in case you're still working on it. It's been like 10 years, but here, in case you're still working. Here's the thing. If you are pulling up to the roundabout and there's another car coming around, the only rule is you. Other than that, just have at it. Go Mad Max on that thing. You can, you can circle around 13 times with your head out the window. Nobody cares. It's great. Roundabouts are brilliant because there's only one rule. If there's another car coming, you yield. Do not stop in the roundabout and wave people in. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> right? I remember when it was new and, you know, and, and Cape Girardeau was about to implode because of the roundabout. And, and I, I pulled up. I was coming from this way. And there was someone coming from King's Highway up to it. Big blue Lincoln. If you're here, I'm so glad you're still alive. And... <laughs> And, and this person pulled up and obviously wanted to go left, and so they just turned left <laughs> and started going against the flow in the roundabout, looking at everyone else like they were crazy. And everyone did awesome. They, everybody froze and gave each other the, did you just see that look? <laughs> you know, and everyone survived. 
we're all moving forward. But here, yielding is not what we're good at. And, and specifically as a culture, look, there are so many good things about our culture and the way we do things, but what we tell our kids is make something happen. Stick up for yourself. Make a way. Figure out what you want and go for it. I mean, but th- those are pep talks we start giving our kids when they're like three months old, right? I mean, th- this is a part of what has made the American spirit what it is, and there's so many good things that come from telling people, go for it. Make a name for yourself. Make something happen. You can do it. Figure out what you want and go for it. I mean, there's so many good things that have come from that. Uh, but, but listen, when was the last time that you heard someone talking to a kid about how to give up? Teaching a child how to surrender and how to defer to the good of the community or authority. I mean, we're, that, that to us is like, ha! Hey, I don't even know how to talk about that. Do you remember years ago, there was um, a big tsunami in Japan, and there were news reports, you know, just American minds blown, because this is so not us, of people standing in lines politely for days to get food. Do you all remember this? And they, they, would, they would show these lines, and then they would cut back to some baffled news reporter, and they would say, this would not happen in New Jersey. <laughs> right? Because in, in New Jersey, we would be climbing over each other, you know, to get what we need. And so we're not great at that. And these, uh, these are muscles that we need to learn and grow into, because here's the thing. We're not, we're not great at it, but Jesus was and is. At it, it, the, the yielding. Now, I just want to pick up, it may be the most important decision point in Jesus' life that we have recorded for us. Um, the cross is not far away. And he is wrestling through his decision to go to the cross. And he, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Olive Garden, you can go there today. There's 2,000-year-old olive trees there. Maybe the same trees Jesus was praying under. And it's on the edge of the Kidron Valley. And then there's Mount Zion with the temple on top. And I'm betting he would have seen the mob coming for quite some time. Because, you know, like a bunch of people marching with torches in the middle of the night down a mountainside isn't exactly subtle. And so he, he maybe would have seen this coming and he's praying and he says father if you are willing take this cup from me see Jesus is in the garden wrestling with God and it's okay to wrestle with him about the things that he's asking the, the a part Jesus is on it God I have a request how about we skip the torture and death part? Right? I mean, he, he, is, he is for skipping that. I don't want to. I don't want to. He, he's so stressed out at one point, so anxious. Yes, Jesus dealt with anxiety. And so if you do too, you and Jesus, right? He says at one point, I am anxious to the point of death. It, it talks about his, his, he starts sweating blood and medically what seems to be happening is that Someone can be so stressed that the capillaries under their skin break and start to mingle in their sweat glands. I mean, he is wrestling with God. And it's okay for you to wrestle too. A bit of a side note. 
when in the Old Testament, Jacob is wrestling with God through the night and he loses, God gives him a name, Israel. Israel. And for the rest of the Old Testament, God's people take the name Israel. And Israel means what? To struggle with God. That is, God names his people, these are the people that wrestle with me. And so if you never struggle with God, you may be following the wrong God. But if you do struggle with God, if you wrestle with him, if you, if you stress with him sometimes, that might be the mark of being one of his people. And, and, and then what's brilliant, though, is that Jesus doesn't stop with the wrestling. He says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. That Jesus is able to get to this point of saying, this is actually what I want. I can name it. I can be bold about it. I can wrestle with God on it. And then I can say, and I'm willing to lay it down. This matters to me, but I'm willing to lay it down. And God, whatever, whatever you want is, is going to be okay. Even if it means torture and death, by the way. And you know, in the Old Testament, when people would come to the temple to pray, there was an altar. And they would come to the altar with stuff that they had, like, they had tilled the ground for and planted and watered and they had seen grow and they had harvested. And they, they had brought, maybe, maybe they had traveled for days from the north of the country down to where Jerusalem is and carrying something they'd grown and that they cared about. And when you get to the altar, to pray you lay it down. Say it's yours. Or maybe there was something that you helped birth and that you fed and that you protected from wild animals. And, and, that, and that when you walked that little thing all the way to Jerusalem and picked it up in your arms and walked up to the altar, you laid it down. And this is, this is not, not something we're great at. But here, this picture of if we're going to come to God, it's going to involve taking the things that we're bringing and putting them down in front of the Lord and saying, but it's yours. But it's yours. Um, coming to this, this place, the uh, kind of classic language for it is called holy indifference. Of saying, God, I care about this, and this is what I want. This is the thing that I'm hoping for and striving for, but if you take me this direction or this direction, it's okay. I can, ha I can have a holy indifference about that. So maybe when, we, when we're in this yield thing, maybe the first thing that we can do, even though we wrestle with God, is to let him win. We can take time and say, God, you win on this. I, you can lead me this way or this way, and I trust you on that. We can let him win. The, the last time I was um, teaching on holy indifference, uh, I talked about how I don't love the language indifference because that doesn't carry this, the right meaning for me immediately. Like indifferent sounds a little bit like I don't care. And like Jesus cared. G Jesus was, was really up for like not dying. And, you know, he cared. He wasn't, he wasn't indifferent like flippant. Um, he was indifferent in that you can take me in any direction. I was talking about that. 
And a, a fella in our church who's an officer in the Navy um, and helps run logistics in the Navy around like Korea, um, he was, um, wanted to talk afterwards. And he said, uh, in the military, we have a phrase that might be more helpful. He says, we talk about deference, that I defer to my commanding officer. And that maybe I can talk with my commanding officer and say, this is what I want, but I defer to you. I, 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 maybe we can talk about, instead of holy indifference, we could say holy deference. And say to God, this is the thing I'm asking for, but I, def I defer to you because you know more. You are better than me. You are going to make all things right. And listen, God doesn't get everything God wants. There, there, are, there are things that happen in this world that are not God's will. Right? God makes space for us to make choice. But he will be present in all of those things, working them all for good in the end. And we can defer to God. And, say that, and it, I think it's um, interesting because in that space, God does something in us that is quite holy. I'm one of the best young pastors that I know of in the country. Um, you should like read his books, and his Instagram account is awesome, um, is Rich Velotis. He's in Queens in, in New York. Um, and he has this little quote that I love. He says, often what God does in us while we wait is more important than the thing we're waiting for. Often what God does in us while we wait is more important than the thing that we're waiting for. That, that, that shapes us and changes us. And, and Jesus, you know, this wasn't just like a one-time thing for him on the cross. This was how he lived. This was like when he was taking orders from a customer as a carpenter, when he was talking with his mama and fighting with his brothers over who gets to play with that. I mean, whatever. This was apparently how, how Jesus lived, like in John, here's just a verse out of John 4, 5, and 6, just to illustrate the point. Um, John 4, my food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That Jesus is saying, where I get nourishment, the thing that feeds my soul is saying to God, I want your will. I mean, that, that's different. You, you want di different. Check this out. This is um, chapter 5, verse 30. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my, judgments, and my judgment is just. For I do not seek to please myself, but him who sent me. When was the last time you heard someone say that? Is it like this so backwards? Because the gospel in our culture, for our culture, is you will be happy when you do your own will, when you get what you want. The desires that you have, the inclinations you have, the things that you want, you will finally find joy when you get the thing that you're hoping for. When you strive and seek the thing that you want, that's when life becomes real. That's when you become happy. That's what the whole thing is. And, and society is in a project of figuring out how can I help you say yes to every desire and inclination that you have and that that is our hope in the world around us. Depression on the rise, suicide on the rise, anxiety on the rise, medication on the rise, health problems on the rise. I mean, go on and on and on and on and on. And it's not working. And then the king of heaven comes and says, 
I do not seek to please myself, but him who sent me. I mean, wouldn't you want to, like, get close to that person? Like, who are you? It's chapter 6. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And so when, when, when we take things that matter to us in our life and we take them to God, we can honestly say, this is what I'm seeking. I, this is how, this would please me. But Lord, I don't need to do that. Big things, little things, everything in between. I can seek your will on that. And when we, when we lay it down and we let him win, when in this like yielding thing, then we can also take time to listen. Like we can let him win and we can listen. Because God wants to speak to us. We've, do, we've done a lot of talking. We've given him our asking. God, this is, we've given him our thank yous. That's really good. And, but then there's this place of, God, what do you want to say about this? I can lay it down. What do you want to say to me? One of my sweetest times in prayer regularly is at the top of my prayer journal. And I know I've, I've said I, I use a journal because I'm a little ADHD. I know that comes as a shock. And at the top of my journal sometimes, uh, and I might have earbuds in, and I'm, I, you know, who knows with me? I might be listening to worship music or Rage Against the Machine. Who knows? And, and I'm having my little quiet time. And I'll, I'll write at the, at the top, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to say to me today? And just let him talk to me. And, and you might ask, what if the things that come up in my mind aren't from God? Yeah, that happens. But here's the filter we can run it through. Is it affirming? Is it biblical? Is it Christ-like? I mean, look, if it sounds like Jesus and it lines up with Scripture, take it. Take it, and we'll grow in hearing from the Lord as we practice. And, and, and you, you can write, God, what do I do about the situation with my mom? What, what do you want me to do about the thing at work? And just let him, let him talk. And if it sounds like Jesus, if it lines up with Scripture, go for it. You know, see, see where it leads. We can take time to listen to God because he wants to talk to you. That may, you may be like, I don't think you know me. Yeah, well, you know, it doesn't matter, actually. It doesn't, you don't have to be good enough for God to talk to you. He just wants to talk. And then after we take some time to let him win, take some time to listen to him, you know, when you're in a good relationship with somebody and you've been in that relationship for a while, you can learn to just be with somebody. And that that's a kind of laying it down, a kind of yielding of, I just want to be with you right now. And we can experience God in that, in the just being with him. The, the fancy old word for this is contemplative prayer, um, but don't let that scare you off. Uh, what we're talking about is just taking time to be with God. The, the first time that I started getting around people that talked about just wanting to be with the Lord, I had no idea what they were talking about. I, I grew up in, you know, good Protestant evangelical in the south and and bible study i got that um giving god my prayer requests i got that just being with jesus i did not know what we were talking about anybody else 
And then I got around these folks that they would, they, they, it was like they were talking about their favorite restaurant, like their voice changed a little bit. They're like, oh, I just got to be with the Lord this morning. Like, I don't know what you mean. And then I found that they were taking time just to sit in God's presence and receive his love. One of the ways that I've um, started prayer more times than any other in my life um, is with a a few verses that come out of um, Psalm 27, one verse out of Psalm 27. And this has gotten on on my lips more than anything else over the last 15 years. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That this, this person who's talking about coming to the temple, they're like, you know what I want out of this? I just want to see you, God. I just want to be in your presence, Lord. I just, want to, I just want to chase after you. And that's like the whole thing that I'm after. And this person, maybe they're bringing an offering and they're laying it down as it becomes a place to meet with the Lord. You know, when they, when they would bring um, uh, an offering, whether it was plants or, or an animal, um, to the temple and up to the altar, um, other than the whole burnt offering, when they would offer this, this animal or these crops, do you know what they were commanded to do with them? Have you not read all of Leviticus, people? Come on, what's wrong? Do you know what they were commanded to do with it? Eat it! They were supposed to have a barbecue that coming to the Lord and laying something down resulted in a party and a feast how long does it take to eat an animal? How many of you got a deer last month? Am I in Missouri? <laughs> a, a couple, right, yes. It takes a lot. You guys have to have like deep freezers, right? And they, they would bring, you know, granted, smaller animal probably, but, but there's stuff in Leviticus that says no one gets to leave until you've eaten the whole thing. Your family, the priest, everybody shows up, barbecue in God's presence. That changes going to the temple, doesn't it? You know, do you bring your sweet baby rays with you? I mean, how does this work? And listen, altars become tables. When we bring something and we lay it down in front of the Lord, and I don't know, you're talking about a job you're wondering about taking or something that's wrong in your marriage or or little things that annoy you about your kids. I mean, whatever, not that anyone's ever annoyed by their kids, just hypothetical. I mean, you know, whatever, big things, little things, and we lay that down and say, God, what what do you want me to do? I want your will for my life, that that space becomes a table to meet with God and others. It's like people can come in and sit down, and a life that's opened up like that, that kind of altar, becomes a table people are invited to eat at. And and there's maybe a few pictures of of what that looks like in in our world. Do you know anybody who lives like that? When I'm around someone that knows how to surrender, they're they're a breath of fresh air to me. Their life feels open, it feels holy, it feels gentle. Here's, here's a story of someone who lived like that. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. That this, this girl, 14 years old, 15 years old, don't you know that someone showing up saying you're going to be pregnant outside of marriage, that is bad news to her? This is bad news. In that society, her life is over as she has known it. It says she gets up immediately and goes to Elizabeth's house. I'll bet she did. She needs to find a different town to be in. And in that space, when she gets this strange and beautiful and bad news, she says, may it be to me according to your word. I'm going to take my life and I'm going to lay it down and say whatever you want, Lord. And then that space, Mary's life, becomes an altar that turns into a table that other people can come to because the Lamb of God himself is the result of that. People drawn in and able, the whole world able to come and sit and be with the Lord because someone was willing to say, I'll surrender, I'll yield, I'll give up. You know, you know that, that wasn't a one-time thing. for That must have been, I can't imagine it any other way. That must have been something she was used to practicing. God, whatever you want here. Whatever you want in this area of my life, little, big, whatever. Uh, how many thousands of times? Do you think she had said, Lord, whatever you want is okay with me? Till she was strong enough in that to be able to say yes to receiving Jesus in her womb. What would your life be like? And the people around you, how would they be changed if that was a muscle that you were able to grow where heaven meets earth? So when we started a few weeks ago, um, we gave out a card and we said on the front, write a few words that describe your current prayer life and on the back, write the prayer life that you want to have. Um, just wondering, I, I wonder how, if there's been any progress in your life in the last few weeks as you've put some of these things into in action. By the way, let, hearing about this stuff is great. You know it doesn't help though, right? Unless you do it. So, let, so we got to do it. We got to do it. You don't have to be good at it. You just got to do it. And we'll, and we'll try to grow. So I wonder how that progress is going. And maybe, right now, is there some way that you can put these things into action to take time to pause, to rejoice, to ask, to yield? Is it carving out time before you go to sleep or while you're in the pickup line, while you're pumping gas? At the gas station, I, where is it for you? And I, I'd like to take a little bit of time and practice together before we go. And so right now, if you would, would you just maybe close your eyes? and We're going to refocus our scattered senses on God's presence with us.
because he's with us. It's just that everything else is louder. Breathe. And to rejoice. Can you name the, the gift? Whether your life feels like a wasteland or whether it feels very normal or whether things are awesome, can you, can you look at your life and name the gift and say thank you, God? Say thank you right now. Would a few of you be willing to just out loud, just share with us what it is you're saying thank you for? What, what are some of those things? Hmm? Children, yeah. Family. Someone's like, that was not on my list. I don't. <laughs> what? Friends. Having a job, yeah. Graduating, congratulations. Salvation. Salvation and peace, yeah, thank you, God. Thank you. This church, yeah, thank you. Thank you, God. Hmm? Oh, I can't quite hear you. The cross, yeah. I used to be able to hear better. And we take time and ask. And just right now in your own heart, what are the things that you want to ask God for? You don't have to be embarrassed about how small they are or overcome by how big they are. Maybe there's someone here that just says, I want to find joy again. It's been so long. Maybe it's things with kids, family, your roommate, your boyfriend. Just take time and ask. It's okay to wrestle with him on it. in some way tell the Lord but not what I will but what you will or I have not come to please myself but you you may have to say it a thousand times for a year before it sinks down into your soul, but say it. Say it. 
one of the ways in our yielding that we listen to the Lord is we listen to him through his word. So I'm just going to read a few verses out of Isaiah 9. And if you would, just listen for a word or a phrase that sticks out to you. Just let let God speak to you through his word, a, a word or a phrase. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Did you just have that word or phrase in your mind? Would you just ask the Lord, what do you want to say to me about that? What do you want to say to me? Jesus, we thank you that more than we want to be with you, you want to be with us. So much so that you came in flesh as a child given to us. And that you would be our Prince of Peace, that you would be our wonderful counselor and our everlasting Father. That you came to be with us, Jesus. look forward to the day when all the world is under your loving rule and it is all on your shoulders and there will be no end to your peace thank you God amen if you enjoyed today's message make sure to subscribe to this channel Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon.